Uh, let's go live with Jack Kelly. Hey, for today, if if you feel you've been screwed over in interviews by your boss, by companies, do you feel you've been mistreated? If that's the case, today is your day. We're going to tackle these issues. We're going to, we're, we're going to, I, and I might get thrown off of LinkedIn afterwards because I'm not going to be very, you know, positive in terms of what companies do to everybody who's looking for a job, who's looking to advance with their career. Um, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully I'm going to, I'm going to make it through the week and I won't get kicked off, but I'll, I'll try to censor myself, Christine. I won't be inappropriate. Uh, but let's start with this. Just, just, we'll, we'll just dive right into it. There's always kind of a power dynamic that happens in the workplace. You know, sometimes during the great resignation, you had, you know, the employees, the workers had the upper hand because everyone was fired, let go during, you know, the pandemic. And then you had to quickly rehire everyone. So they knew they had the power, the employees or the respect, you know, the employees who, you know, are, are at the time job seeking and the companies were in a battle to find these people. So they would have to pay up for it and they would hire and they would overhire. And so, so they were running the show. Fast forward to 2022, 2023, and then boom, all of a sudden, all these companies belt tightening, cutting costs, laying off, and then hoping that when we go into 2024, we better, but it's not. It's in a way almost worse because in 2022 and 2023, it's really a lot of the big tech companies that were making these massive 10,000 layoffs at a clip. Now, we're seeing everything from Levi Jeans to Google, to Amazon, to Discord, to BlackRock, to Citigroup. And it's so it's all over the spectrum, eBay. And it makes you take a pause. Like, what's going on here that all these companies are laying off? Now, they're not laying off you know, tens of thousands, but they're laying off 100 here, 1,900 there, 1,500, whatever. So right now, there's, an, a, there, there's a balance of power that's shifting towards the employers. And what, a couple of things that uh, Christine and I, we put up on, on, on you know, the show notes about exit interviews, two weeks notice, all that. But I want to I wanna shift around first and talk about, because as I was thinking about what's going on in these companies, and what supervisors and managers and executives do. And the more, you know, I was thinking about it, the, the more outraged I got. And it's one of these things where like, you don't think about it, but then once you start doing, you realize, wow, this is not fair. This is not right. Now, let me give you an example. You know, Jane Doe goes for an interview. She has to send her resume. Most likely the hiring managers and interviewers are going to review her resume. They're going to probably check out her social media footprint. Now, you're not supposed to do this, but I guarantee you most of these hiring managers and HR and talent acquisition and others will kind of, you know, will kind of look around to see, hey, who knows Jane Doe? Do you know of her? Have you heard of her? You know her reputation? anything wrong anything we should know is she nuts is she good so you do this like like 
background check, which no one gave approval for, but they do. Now, so that's one side. Now think how unfair it is when you're the interviewee. You're going to go and let's say meet with your prospective manager. You know nothing about that manager. Literally, you don't know anything about that manager. Now, maybe you looked on LinkedIn, so you kind of gave a check, so you have a little bit of a vibe. But, and follow me on this, think about this for a second deeply, right? Think about this. Wouldn't it be fair if you're going to spend hours and hours going through interviews, because if you're a white-collar professional, mid to senior level, and you're interviewing, you're going you're gonna to go on probably five, six, seven different interviews. That's going to go over maybe six months. And I'm not exaggerating. Everything is very slow walk lately, particularly with AI, because in the background, executives are thinking, hey, do we really have to hire this person? Because maybe AI could take away this job. So you don't really know anything about this manager. Don't you think it would be fair when you're interviewing, when you're putting in all that time, all that effort, and if you're employed, you have to worry, maybe work could get out and you could lose your job because they see that you're looking around and in a, in a market where you're tightening belts and cutting costs, it's then very easy when they have a layoff to say, hey, let's let go of Jack because I know and I heard through the grapevine he was looking for a new job. So he's looking for a new job, F him, we'll let him go first. Back to the manager. What if the manager has some complaints against him for sexual harassment claims? What if the manager is a toxic person? What is the what if the manager is just just a jerk and he berates his employees? Wouldn't that make sense when you're interviewing? to have that knowledge. And in today's day and age, it doesn't take a lot of work, particularly now with AI, you could go to HR and say, hey, HR, Christine is going for an interview for this role and she's gonna meet with you know, uh, Stuart Blah, who's gonna be the manager. Can you please give everything that you have using AI about that manager and what, what the candidate needs to know about that manager, right? Do, if you think about it, Christine, doesn't it make sense? Like, what, why is it that they can know all about you? And when they go through an interview, it's like getting an invasive, invasive medical procedure. You're poked, you're prodded, you know, they stick stuff in you, you get shots. I mean, they put you, right? It's like, if you go through an interview, it's not an easy, pleasant thing. They're, they're asking these, you know, awkward questions. They're grilling you. They want to, you know, kind of get insights that who knows if they're going to, they're only asking because they're going to use it and present it as their own to their company if, when they don't hire you. So wouldn't it make, Christine, wouldn't it make sense that you should know about that manager that you're going to possibly work with? Because let's say you go there and then ultimately you find out that, yeah, this guy was making sexual inappropriate stuff and he's been written up because he's a toxic person and he's a jerk, but somehow they don't let him go. And now 
I feel very frustrated as a, you know, let's say now as the employee, I should, if I would have known, I wouldn't have taken this job. I would have stayed where I am or took a different offer. I agree. They want to know why you left your last job or to explain an employment gap, but they don't disclose why a particular job was open in the first place. A hundred percent, right? It's like, okay, tell me, why did you leave your pet shop? And it's like such a joke because what are they going to say? Oh, my boss was a jerk. And you know, if your boss was a jerk, you're not going to say that because then they're going to think they're going to call you a jerk when you leave. So, you know, you have that, but then wouldn't it make sense to follow through like what I, what Christine mentioned and what we were talking about before, if there's a turnstile where employees come and go, and that happens, and we all know that, we've all seen that, you know, person comes, they stay there for three months, they're gone, they, maybe a year they're gone, maybe a year and two months they're gone. Wouldn't it be fair? Wouldn't it be honorable? Wouldn't it be the right thing to do is that you get that data, you get that information, you find out that this job has been open for six months and no one has, for whatever reason, they haven't hired anyone in six months. That's a red flag. Like why? Like what, what's going on that for six months you can't hire someone? Why can't they provide how come maybe two or three people held this job, came and went over a couple of years? So it's, it's, they're just recycling people and no one's staying. Wouldn't that be honest to, to, to share that information so that you know ahead of time? Now, some people may take that risk. They may say, hey, there's a big turnover. People come and people go. You know, I I've understand there's some complaints made against this you know, manager. However, the company is like amazing. It's like the, one of the best companies. I love to work there. And I feel I have enough thick skin that I can manage through it because this could be a career maker and, and I'll try and I'm going to do it. But they're doing it with their eyes open, knowing that their problems and that that's okay because they're taking that risk that say, Hey, I understand this manager could be a real a-hole, but I'm going to, I'm going to take this job anyway, because I think I could deal with this person and I having this on my, this job on my resume and the company on my resume is worth it. But if you don't disclose it, you're completely in the dark and you, and, 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 and you would take this job. Maybe you'd be there for a month or two. And then you realize, Oh my God, I understand why no one stays. You know, it's, it's the corporate culture. What they said about is not true. They said they were going to be remote. That's not happening. Then they said hybrid, but no, we have to go back to the office. What's going on here? So you see where I'm going with this. It's, it's very lopsided. And it's one of those things that you just get used to. Oh, that's how it is. It's always been this way. And I figure part of my job to do in this capacity with these LinkedIn lives and podcasts is to say, wait a minute, just because it's always been this way doesn't mean it always have to be this way. Maybe there should be some rules, policies, procedures put in place so that you're on equal footing. So that if you're going to ask why you left your job, what did you think of your, you know, what, tell me about what happened with your manager and so forth, then you have the right to say, hey, can I get all the information about you, Mr. and Mrs. Manager? Can I see the dossier 
the file on you in terms of any customer complaints, any, any, anything I should be aware of, any problems, huge turnover, were there any allegations of, you know, of impropriety? Let's, let me take, let's take a look at it. Let's put it all on the table. Now, does that, does that sound like, does that sound crazy or does that sound like it's logical? It's definitely, it's definitely logical. And, you know, you're talking about hiring and I was thinking about how imbalanced it is, mm -hmm. even with firing. Like if an employee makes a mistake, they're fired for it. If an executive makes a mistake, thousands of employees <laughs> are fired for that. You know, CEO, CEOs are not yeah. held accountable for their poor decisions and employees bear the brunt of those bad decisions in terms of layoffs. And that's completely not fair. Yeah. And then there's even more power imbalance because employees aren't even brought into like these decisions. There's implementation without consideration. You know, you see them implementing these like return to office policies without considering, you know, anyone that moved out of state or anyone that has like childcare issues, all of these things that they, there's just no consideration for the employees. Let's, let's unbundle this a little bit. So let's take with no particular order. Let's maybe go backwards. It does feel at times where they're pushing to get back in the office as a technique to get rid of people through attrition. Because as you pointed out, Christine, Hey, I'm living, let's say in New York or New Jersey it's expensive. And, you know, the company said, Hey, I could work remote anywhere. So you go to a lower cost area and you're like, this is great. And you enroll your kids in a new school, you, you know, you make friends in the community, you, you put, plant down roots, and then all of a sudden, like, no, we want you back. <laughs> what? Like, what? So you're going to go to you, anyone who's a parent listening to this and has young children going up to, let's say, middle school age, and you're going to just pull them out? Oh, my gosh. That is not easy. That's scarring for them. And then what are you going to do? You're going to try to sell your house? I don't know. Are you going to make a profit? Are you going to lose a whole lot of money? Are they going to reimburse you? If let's say you bought it at the high and now you have to go back, so you're selling it, are they going to compensate you for it? No. And if you leave, then they're like, oh, great. We don't have to pay a severance package. So they're leaving. Right, Chris? That's kind of what you're, you're saying. Yep. The other part, I think, like, you're dead on is that with, and we saw this in real time where companies, particularly the tech companies were hiring like crazy. They were hoarding people to be competitive. They had the managers hiring people because they wanted to build their fiefdoms. And how many times did you see TikTokers talk about, Hey, here's my day, a day in the life at Meta. And they come in and they have breakfast and they're out and they're playing around and they're singing and dancing and, and doing no work. And that was okay because they didn't care. They were just hoarding people. Then shareholders are like, what the hell are you doing? This is ridiculous. You got to cut costs. You got to make, the, you got to, you got, we're in a new environment. Interest rates are high. Inflation is high. So what happens? They lay off everybody. And it was not the worker's fault. It was, as Chris was saying, it was executive management because they were the ones saying, oh, everything is great. Let's keep hiring. Let's keep hiring. Let's keep hiring. But they don't lose their jobs. They keep, not only do they not lose their jobs, 
they still get really lush bonuses, get stock options and all that. But then the rank and file, goodbye, see ya. That's terrible, right? Am I, am I, am I, once again, does that seem like it's a fair thing? Wouldn't it be fairer somehow you could have advocates for workers? I'm not even saying you have to do a union, but something where you could say, wait a minute, you, you know, the ones on top are making the decisions and they're bad decisions, but they don't take the brunt of it. They don't, they make the decisions that end up turning bad, but they have no repercussions on their side, but the workers get laid off. They go on PIPs, performance investment, you know, improvement plans. They're, they're, they're pushed to work harder. Once so it's so imbalanced. And what and, and to me, again, it seems pretty reasonable that should be some checks and balances in there. You know, yeah, after, let's, I'm sorry, let's, go ahead. let's see their their employee metrics. Let's pull up that data, like for all these CEOs and these executives. But you don't see that, right? Like, like how who does an account, you know, a, an accounting on it to say, here's the decisions you made. And it really did not work out well whatsoever. And not only that, you disrupted the lives of 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 people, disrupted their lives, their family lives and everything. And they're like, oh, well. And they go not back to their nice big mansions and, and they're all cool and everything is fine. And oh, oh well. Yeah, and, and get a bump in pay probably. Yeah, good well. job. Good job. The way you got rid of all those people. Excellent, excellent. And I'm very glad that you just do it by email because that saved a lot of time. Fantastic. <laughs> Great job. Thanks for doing that. You're going to get a nice raise for it. How about this? Okay, on a lesser, on a, on, a, on a lesser one. You go for interviews, right? Everybody who's going for interviews. When I first started recruiting in the Stone Ages, the hiring managers, the HR, the talent acquisition, they really understood the sector that they're recruiting for. They're very knowledgeable, very smart, very capable. And, and I imagine, so, so are the ones today too, don't get me wrong. But the big difference is this, then, and I'm not trying to be like grandpa, this is what happened in my day, no. What, hap what happened then is that the people involved with the interview process, all along the whole process, would provide feedback and constructive criticism so that if, you know, you know, Joe Doe, Jane Doe was going through an interview and doing okay, but they would communicate back and forth between hiring managers, interviewers, you know, HR, you know, whoever was involved and say, hey, you know what, this candidate is really good, but he or she needs to really work on this, that, the other thing. And then you would communicate to that person and say, oh, okay, you know, here's what you need to work on. Or let's say that someone is just, maybe their tone is off, maybe the way they're trying to articulate themselves or their body language or what have you, they would offer constructive criticism. And not to demean anybody, but saying, hey, I, you know, you're really good, you're really smart, you know everything, but the tone you're taking, maybe it's a little hostile, maybe, let's work on it, let's try to figure it out. And then you could help that person do better. Now, fast forward to today, that very rarely happens. And 
because it really very rarely happens. The tough part is now when you interview, you don't know, not just the ghosting where no one gets back to you, but you just don't know. Like, did I say something wrong? Did I, did I come across as a jerk? Like what's, what's, if you aren't getting that feedback, if you're not getting that constructive criticism, then how do you do better on the interview? We're only humans. No, no matter how great somebody is, it's very hard to go to an interview and just nail it and then go to another interview and nail it and another interview and nail it. It's impossible unless you get that continual feedback process and constructive criticism and, and, and guidance. So once again, it's, this may not necessarily exactly fit with what I'm talking about, the power, you know, the dynamics, but it definitely puts the job seeker at a disadvantage because they could do better if the company did better by offering that assistance. But they don't do it. And I don't know why. I really, I'm not really sure why, because it would make it better for both the job seeker and for the people who are doing the hiring and for the managers and for HR and for talent acquisition, because the process would be way more streamlined because the candidate know what's going on and everyone involved is what's going on. So it can move faster through the pipeline and you could get the candidates through who are the best and, and, you know, pay them well and boom, it's good. But that, but it doesn't happen, which is, which is really odd. And I think that's another thing where I got to put on the, uh, on, on the table for the executives, because they should be looking at stuff like this. You know, if, if, if people are interviewing and it goes on for three, six, nine months, and I'm not exaggerating, these, this is what happens. And you're meeting five, six, seven, 10 different people, and you're asked to do projects and you're asked to do written assignments and you take homework and so forth. Shouldn't the executives be aware of that and be appalled? That, that, that they're making them jump through all these hurdles and doing all these tasks, not getting paid for it, taking time away, risking they could lose their job, but they don't care, right? It's, it, now, to me, Christy, am I being overboard or is that just bizarre behavior? It's bizarre. And I think for job seekers who are jobless, that power imbalance feels mm. great because at least when you have a job, you can kind of say, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm, I'm out like withdraw me from consideration. Whereas if you're jobless, you're kind of at their whim and you have to put up with all these like indignities. See, that's, that's so true because, you know, so you're in between jobs and when you look at the uh, department of labor, when they give the jobs reports, the number of long-term unemployed, I want to say it's like 24, 27 weeks, something like that. And those numbers are staggering. So that means there are lots and lots of people who are, who are out of work in between jobs. And you're right. So when they're interviewing, they're, I don't want to say they're desperate, but like a lot of times you're desperate. Now, some people might have the finances and, and get, you know, you know, go through it, but like the pressure, the stress, the anxiety is just overwhelming. And then when you tag on all these interviews and when you tag on, you're not getting feedback and you don't know what's happening. Oh my gosh, the mental anguish that people have to go through, the stress, the anxiety is just, just off the charts, right? 
Yeah, and they're made to feel like, oh, just be thankful you're in the game, you know? Right. You should just be happy we invited you. Yeah. <laughs> we should be happy we, 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 we let you come in here on a Zoom call to interview. You should yeah. thank us. Kiss our ring and bow down to us. We're so, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, did I, I'm sorry. I, I hope I didn't bum any everybody out. I, my, that wasn't my attention. <laughs> my attention was more of saying to put it into perspective because no one talks about this, and I'm not sure why. But I think what I'm saying is not crazy. I don't think it's outlandish. I don't think it's unreasonable. I think it's one of these things that we're just so used to it. You know, what you ever saw those memes like the floggings continue till the morale improves? It's it's we just get used to being flogged and we're like, all right, that's what it's supposed to be. It reminds me kind of I see this happen with like Gen Z's and older generations, where the older generations are like, Gen Z's are lazy, they don't want to work. But they're saying, wait, no, no, we do want to work, we just don't want to be abused. Because we're seeing everything you're mentioning, Jack. We're seeing all the problems, and that doesn't seem too cool to us. And this seems, seems pretty bad. And they're looking at it with a fresh light, and they're looking at their parents who went through this, and, they're, and their friends' parents, and they're like, this is not cool. there got to be a better way. So they're not, they're not lazy. They're not shirking responsibility. They're just looking at the way I'm bringing it up and say, wait, this is not really very fair. And somehow some way we have to find ways to change it and make it better and it's going to be better for the companies as i mentioned before because this way you can have more engaged workers because how can you have engaged workers if you're worried let's take 2024 now right where we see everything from levi's to wayfair to macy's to google to twitch to discord to blackrock these companies all over the map right and they're all chipping away chipping away chipping away Google is saying, hey, we let go whatever amount, and now we're going to keep letting go. Citigroup said they're going to let go about 20,000 people up until 2026 or so. So now your workers are going to be going to the office, working hybrid, maybe a few lucky working remote, and you got to worry every, each and every day, am I going to keep my job? Now, how does the C-suite expect people to come in? Yay, I'm really excited. I'm so motivated. I can't wait to work and do these tasks and assignments. Like, no, how, it's not normal to feel that way. The normal feeling is being afraid and scared. Am I going to be the one who's going to be tapped on the shoulder to go into HR and I'm going to be let go? Or not, that's what's happened now. Now you're just going to get an email or a text or you're going to get with that Brittany Peach with Cloudflare, where some people who you don't even know get on a video call and say, hey, uh, yeah, sorry, we're going to let you go. Like, what? What's going on here? <laughs> Why? Can I have the data? No, no, no. I know how you feel. But don't, don't talk about how I feel. I want the data. Why are you going to fire me? Well, I don't know, but like, we have to fire you. Sorry. Crazy. I mean, it's, it's, re it's literally nuts. The way things are going, it's 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 insanity. I mean, can you can you just fathom? Can you fathom that 
you know, for the parents watching, for their kids or their or their friends and family, whatever, you have two disembodied voices that get on a Zoom call who 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 don't know a person, don't even introduce themselves, and basically say, "Hey, we're letting you go." And then when the person getting let go has the temerity to say, "Why? Can I have the data?" My manager said great things about me. I don't have any complaints. Everyone likes me who, who I work with. Everyone can say positive things. But these two random strangers who know nothing about me, you're just going to let me go, just like that. Wow, right? We're, we're, we're like, that's, how did we come to this? Right? How did we get here where there's just no empathy? There's no caring. There's no compassion. It's, it's, it's just wild how it happens. Once again, Chrissy, am I being over? I, I'm trying not to be over dramatic, but like the more I, I was, talk about it, the more I get fired up. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to follow up with a question. It, there's always going to be an inherent power imbalance as long as you're a subordinate, even in a good economy. It's worse in a bad economy, but even in a good economy, you're always going to be making someone else richer. Is there a way that workers can view it differently so that it's more palatable, less cynical, and more rooted in like their own personal goals? Mm. You know, that's a good question. I, I Let me think, I'll th how about this? I'll just think out loud, you know, mm -hmm. brainstorm out loud. Maybe that's one of the reasons why when I, when I first started recruiting, if I had, if I submitted a candidate who only, who worked at a company for only two years, let's say, the HR person or the hiring manager would be like, what? <laughs> what? Only two years and now you're leaving? What? No, this person's job hopper. Jack, what's wrong with you? Get me some other resumes. We want someone who's been working for 10 years you know, at the same place. Now, fast forward to now, uh, you see particularly younger people, but now like, you know, older people getting the, you know, getting hip to it too. Is like every year or two, like, okay, I'm moving on. So one of the ways, Christine, is this, that you got to really manage your career on your own and figure it out. So you can't depend upon your boss, your company, the reputation of your company. You want to say, hey, I, I you know, let's say like you want to be a, uh, you know, the best tax accountant in the world. I don't know, just throwing that out there. First thing that came to mind, I don't know why. So you want to be the best tax accountant. Okay. So let me find what company is like the best with tax accounting. And I'm going to go there and work there. And with the idea that even if the boss is a jerk, even if everything sucks, even if they're like rude and jerk, whatever, I'm going to have the mindset that I am going to let it roll off my back. I'm going to learn as much as possible. I'm going to ask as many questions as I can. I'm going to annoy everybody to, to pick their brains. I'm going to raise my hand to do different projects and learn. I'm going to network and go out, you know, after work for drinks with people, you know, get lunch with people and make it my priority to learn as much as I can about, you know, my craft. So I'm going to know as much as I can about tax accounting. I want to build up a network of people who are like-minded who, who I could reach out to in the future. I'm going to, I'm going to have additional skills. And then 
maybe if things turn out okay at the company, you stay. But if not, then go to another organization where rinse and repeat and say, okay, now I could go to the next level, maybe get a 20% increase on my base, maybe get a bigger bonus and a nicer title, corporate title. And then the same thing, let it go off your, roll off your back, focus on the mission is to learn, 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 add tools to your toolbox, learn, network, get more people, under, know more people, have more alliances, know more things, go to industry events, go to networking events, and, and you keep building on it, and then you go to the next one, and so forth, and so forth. And that's I think that's one of the ways to do it, to say, hey, I can't leave lead my life thinking my boss is going to take care of me and have my best interests in heart, because most likely they don't. They have their own best interest in heart. So I got to do whatever it takes to learn and grow and build and take it to the next level and figure out how to keep moving forward. I think what ends up happening, most people just blindly assume, hey, companies can take care of me. They're going to do right by me. Or at the very least, they're not going to do horrible stuff. But in today's day and age, and it changes, it fluctuates. But right now, in this kind of environment, I, you know, you, you, you know, and to add on to what you were, you were saying, Christina, it's like taking two tracks. The first track is, is to kind of do, let's say, everything you need to learn and grow and build your career. The second one, simultaneously, stealthily, you want to always keep your eyes open for other jobs. My friend Mark Anthony Dyson, that's like his, 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 his big thing. It's like always, I, I can't you know exact phrasing that he uses, but it's always, and he's a career advisor person for years doing it, and that he would always be saying, constantly always be looking, always keep an eye out, always be looking for new opportunity. So, so you want to, while you're making yourself indispensable where you are and being that go-to person and, 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 and coming across like you're like the best, most ardent fan of the company, you're the, you know, wonder kid, you know, and all that. But meanwhile, you're having conversations with recruiters who specialize in your space. You're going to different, you know, kind of organizations, you know, around tax accounting or whatever your job is to, to, to meet people, learn more things and, you know, get in touch with maybe career coaches and, and mentors and what have you that could help kind of build you up so you could get to the next level. So you're two and do two different things. One, one is doing whatever you can to keep your job. Two is having a game plan so that if they tap you on the shoulder, you're not surprised, you're prepared, and you're not going to sweat it as much. Still, still be aggravating if you let go, but you're not starting from square one. Does that make sense? Is that is that kind of that's helpful? A, yeah, that's excellent advice. And I think even that anger and fire is also what drives people to entrepreneurship as well. 100%. You know, anger, I don't know. I don't know, like, this thing, but to me, anger and just, you know, those kind of emotions, they fuel you. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like people, oh, don't be so angry. Don't be, I find like, when you're angry, that's when you get stirred up. That's when you get active. Like if you see a football game, someone's angry, man, you, 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 you don't want to go up against the person. They're just on fire. They're going to run you over. So yeah, you, you, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need to be in this corporate environment and you get effed over and then you're like, you know what? 
I can't take this anymore. And that, that, that fuels your fire to get to the next level and do things and say, you know what, this is how I'm going to get my revenge. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to, I'm going to live out my, my dreams. So that's, that's, that's the thing to kind of drive you and, and find these things where I'm talking about where instead of, you know, saying, Oh, boo hoo hoo. It sucks with the interviews. Oh, the company is mean. And, and I'm not downgrading it. You know what I mean? You're going through it, but use that as your energy to say, you know what, this micromanaging jerk of a boss I have, I can't wait to surpass him. I can't wait to, 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 to just jump over his back and, and, and be higher up in the, chain, in, the, in the corporate ladder than he is or go to an even better company, make more money than he does, and I'll be the last one laughing. And this would be great. Now, that sounds so cold, right? It sounds so like, you know, nasty or petty, but so what? So what? It's whatever could get you to that pace. That's just one way. You know, that's just one way. Everyone has their own way of doing it. But one way is to kind of take that, 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 that inner rage, rage, that anger, that frustration. And so instead of just being like, oh, it sucks to say, you know what? I'm going to use that to do something good. I'm going to use that to build something. I'm going to take that with me to, take, to make myself better and stronger and get to that next level. And, and it works. You know, it definitely works. Yeah. And then even in starting your own company or just rising through the ranks, you yourself can be a change maker where you're like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to get to the top and I'm going to do it differently. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you a real life example. I, um, I was doing really well. I started out at uh, this search firm and doing really well. And, um, but the environment there was just, it was just not the kind of environment it's kind of what I'm talking about now, right? It wasn't the right kind of, I'll just say it wasn't the right kind of vibe, right? So I, I was like, I can't, I can't look at myself in the mirror and say, like, I'm proud of myself if I'm, if I'm in this environment that I just don't feel good. Even if I, you know, you know, you know, back then I was, let's say, I was probably making it like, this is like, you know, 20 years ago. And I'll probably make like 250,000. So back then that was crazy, you know, crazy money. It's still very good money now. Right. And I remember speaking to my dad and saying, you know what? I can't, I don't think I could stay here. I got to do something. And he was like, what's, you know, he was like a teacher. So he was, took a very safe, secure route in life. And he was like, nah, you're making so much money. You're doing well. I'm like, but I, I, I just, you know, the same way I was so aggrieved at the beginning of this conversation, you know, uh, uh, you know, this LinkedIn you know, podcast, just that feeling of this is not fair. This is effed up. I, and I don't want to be part of it. So I was like, you know, I got to do it. I, and I got to do something. And instead of going to another search firm, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do, I'm going to start something myself. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to build my own company. And instead of complaining about others, and spending wasting my time bitching and moaning about like how bad it is in a certain company, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it myself. And trust me, it's not it wasn't easy. It was not easy. It was years and years and years and years of of putting in hours and hours and hours and hours. But uh, it was it was the best decision I made because I felt good about myself. You know that I didn't just give in and and deal with a situation where I don't. I wasn't appreciated and 
had the courage to say, I'm going to just go out there on a limb and try it. And maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't work. Maybe I'll succeed. Maybe I won't, but I, I owe it to myself to do it. And for the people who are doing, this is a business, but you know what, for people for a career, it's similar, same thing where, you know, there comes a time where you say, Hey, do I want to put up with this? Or do I have to take the risk and try and see what I can do? And, and if I can make my life better by pursuing a different you know, path, uh, each person has to decide on their own. I couldn't tell you, you know, you're, you know, each individual, or I can if down if you guys have any questions and you want to talk to me personally for sure. But I think I think sometimes you come to the, to the time where you say, "Hey, I got to do what's right for me, even if it's risky, even if it's scary, even if I'm afraid doing it." But you got to do it because once you do that, I got to tell you this: it's not just me. I see this with a lot of people. Once you get past that, right? When you when you when you're afraid and you're and you're frightened and you're nervous about it and you go through it, and then even if you're not wildly successful, but but you achieve certain goals, it's amazing because then you start realizing and you rewire your mindset. You rewire your mindset in the sense that I can do this. I could go through something. Yeah, it could be daunting. It could be scary. It could be frightening. But I did it. And if I did it already, I could do it again. And that gives you the confidence to get to that next step. But if you never push yourself past that fear, you'll always be you'll always be stuck. Now, it doesn't mean you go through that and now you're just going to go like a rocket up. No. What I find out, not only with my career, placing people, but just interviewing people for Forbes or Wide Podcast or, or, or this podcast... It's not a straight line. You know, a lot of people get things wrong. They think people who are successful, it's just like on a chart, just going up. No, it's up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And just got to kind of power through it. You know, the downtimes are hard. You know, the ups are better, but you got to just keep going through, whether it's your job or you're going to try something entrepreneurial. Now, Chris, should we actually get to what we were supposed to talk about today? Well, actually, I may have a, a good segue into yeah. it because when you were talking about your former job, mm -hmm. you're very diplomatic in how you talked about it. Yeah. And I feel like even in that, there's a, a power imbalance in that you can't talk about it. You're told not to badmouth your former employer and you can't do that in interviews. And then you also can't do that in exit interviews as well, which kind of segues into what that we were was a good segue. Look at you. That was awesome. <laughs> I love that segue. That's fantastic. So, so yeah, does, so it, it feels like there's a power imbalance in that you're almost silenced. So it's, it's interesting. So like what Chris is mentioning with the exit, this is what like we start initially we're starting out to talk about, but then I flipped it a little bit because the more I was like doing homework on it, I felt the stuff we talked about at the beginning of the show was I think everyone would appreciate that more than what we're talking about now, even though what we're talking about now is more. So the exit interview, this is another thing that's so wacky, right? So you're leaving. You say, hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm leaving. I attended my resignation. You know, thank you very much. It was great working here. Um, I hope everything is great. And then they ask you, they start asking you questions. You know, how, how is your relationship with your manager? How did you like working here? How would you rate blah, blah, blah? How would you rate this person? 
you know, why are you leaving? Was it your manager? Was it your coworkers? How are your coworkers? You know, they, 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 they try to grill you. And it's ridiculous because why in the world? And, and Christine hit it. It's, yeah, it's a power, you know, imbalance, but also why in the world I'm leaving, right? Let's say I'm leaving, attending my resignation. I have a job lined up. Knowing how people are, why in the world would I say anything unflattering or negative? It's not worth it. All I'm going to do is create an enemy. So let's say there's an exit interview and I say, hey, you know, I'm leaving because Bob in accounting sucked. He was a jerk. He, he screwed this up. He screwed that up. It was terrible. And then, you know, you know, uh, uh, Susan in, you know, product management. Oh, the worst, terrible. Like if I was honest and let's say, well, I'm not, I'm making this up, so it's not, but if that's, if that's how I felt and said it, well, all of us, now I just created a couple of enemies because now they're going to bring in, you know, Bob from accounting and whoever I said, Susan from whatever. And then they're going to kind of debrief that person, those people. And then it's going to go back to me like, oh, Jack is a jerk. Like, so the exit interview is one of the dumbest things ever. Because if you really do say what's on your mind and what's going on, you run the risk of alienating people, you know, brushing people the wrong way and not going to get a recommendation or a reference from them at all because they're going to be angry at you. So while they ask you to be honest, and if you're honest, it's going to go up against you. So the best thing is you play the game. Oh yeah, everyone's great. Everything's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's great. So can I have a you know letter of recommendation? Thank you. Take care. Bye. Then related to this, you get the two weeks notice period, right? This goes back to what we talked about earlier, how, how unfair things are. If you are an employee, right? And you're like, hey, hey, boss, I'm leaving. What? You're leaving? Yeah. Um, here's my two weeks notice. What? Two weeks? How dare you? Don't you know we have this big project we're working on? Don't you know this is so important? We've invested millions of this. You're disloyal. You're a terrible person. You're a horrible human being. Well, like, what? I'm giving two weeks notice. That's kind of the customary thing. What? Well, yeah, but that's different. This is different. We need you. Well, uh, hmm, maybe I could help. How, how, like, you need me like a week, you know, a week, three, what? No, like a month or two. A month or two? Why would I stay a month or two when I don't even have to give it a two weeks notice? That's just something that's kind of a nice to do. And that's, but now look at the other side. When someone gets laid off, think about it. Did they ever give you two weeks advance? Did they give you a month in advance, two months? No. Lately, you get an email, you get a text, you get a disembodied voice through Zoom saying you're gone. There's no two weeks. So company could just tap you on the shoulder and say you're gone today. And then you got to box up everything and it's humiliating. And you have a big burly security guard walk you out and everyone is staring at you thinking that you did something wrong. That's okay. But if you say, hey, I'm giving my two weeks, they have a, they have a conniption. Give you one last thing, reference checks. 
here's an inside thing. When you're going for a new job, you're going to always ask for a reference and a recommendation. Trust me on this. You do not want to find people who say, Jack is good at this, but he needs a little work on that. He's really good at A, but B, not so much. But he's a you know, really good guy and he works hard. No, you don't want that. You want to only find people who could say, Jack is amazing. He's the best person I've ever seen in this role. I give him the highest marks possible. He's smart. He's motivated. He's successful in his role. We're going to miss him terribly. And I feel awful that he's leaving to go somewhere else. I would love for him to stay. I would recommend him if he would come back. You see the difference? So with, with the recommendations, now this is a way the, you know, the, the employee-ish gets, gets a little bit of satisfaction because they can game the system a little bit where they can make sure when they pick the people who are giving the referrals and the recommendations that it's all good, it's all positive, it's all great. And one of the reasons that this works, now I'm, I'm, I'm spilling the tea, I'm giving you all this inside information, so don't let anyone else know. This is just between us. You know, any, anyone who's on this call, keep it, keep it to yourself because then you know, if it gets out, then, then it's all over. Everyone's going to know about it. So this is one of the things that if, if, if you get these recommendations that are all positive and glowing, that helps you get the job. So that's a way to kind of, that's one of the ways to get that leverage and to make it work for you. So, th so, so there's some ways to get back a little bit, if you will. What do you think, Christine? Anything else? Or we we got we got we did we we covered a lot of ground today. <laughs> I'm just laughing. It's like yes, one instance where you have the upper hand. <laughs> it really is, right? It's like we just see what. Exit um, Danny actually said something interesting in the comments. Like during her exit interview, she had the HR tell her that it was confidential. So we no one should ever believe that it's confidential, Jack. Yeah, wait, who is this that? I'm sorry. This was Janet in, in uh, okay. the comments. She said, I've heard HR tell me during an exit interview that it is confidential. Not true. Do not fall for it. Okay. Janet, between me and you, I don't need, to, I'm not disparaging HR, but they're not your friend. They're, they're not, they're not hired to say, Hey, I hope Jack and Christine are doing well. Now, they're doing what their managers and their bosses are telling them to do. And that's not a negative on them. It's just, it's the corporate hierarchy. You know, they're, they're doing it. So of course they're going to say, oh no, don't worry at all. This is just going to be between us. Really? I mean, if I say, oh, I just killed somebody in the lunchroom. They're not going to keep it between us. No, of course I'm going to jail. Or if you, if you did something inappropriate, of course, it's go, you know, oh, I made a sexually inappropriate comment. They're not going to keep it between us. I'm going to be fired and canceled. You have to be very diplomatic and careful and choose your words carefully. I can't tell you how many people I spoke with who 
went to HR, you know, feeling, oh, HR, la, 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 I'm going to go over there. This is easy. And then they just, just, you know, talk naturally. And then guess what? There's a problem. There's an issue. They said something, you know, that, that become, becomes an issue. And then don't forget, in the corporate world, people have to make issues because that's how they get noticed. You know, if let's say you go to HR and everything is fine, everything is wonderful, no big deal. Well, all right, nothing happens. But if HR finds out Jack is a racist, he's a sexist, he's a thisist, ooh, all of a sudden, that's kind of sexy because now I could go to a senior level exec and now we're going to have to have a meeting and we're going to have to hold, bring in a whole bunch of executives in the meeting and then we're going to have to talk about this meeting and then we're going to have a meeting and then afterwards we're going to have a meeting about the meeting and, and this is going to be really important and all of a sudden, you know, that HR person who's involved is a rock star because look, they found out that Jack is like just a horrible human being and now, and now we have to do something. We're going to have to throw him out the window. So I would be very careful. I'd be very careful. But I would say the same thing, not only of HR. I would say the same thing is you're talking to your boss, you're talking to an executive, you're talking to a manager. You got to be really careful because once again, they don't have your interest at heart for the most part. And I'm generalizing. I'm generalizing because there are a lot of great people. There are a lot of wonderful managers. There's a lot of wonderful executives. Seriously, there, there are a lot of good people in this world. So when I say these things, I don't interpret it that I mean every single HR person or every single person in this. No, I don't mean that whatsoever. I'm, I'm, I'm talking generations because it's easier to just talk in broad strokes. But as you know, the, this audience is very intelligent. So you know that, but I figure it makes sense just to bring it up too. So when I bring the, things, the, these things up, it's not everybody is like that who's in HR. Everybody is like that who's a recruiter. No, it's just makes it easier when you have these conversations to do that. Uh, so I think we covered a lot of ground. I think, and I hope, I hope one of the takeaways is this, for the people who are either looking for a job, who are interviewing, who are trying to advance their career, who are trying to learn like, what do I do? How to like navigate everything? That by giving this, you know, giving this kind of explanation. And I'm not saying I'm the one with all the answers. Everybody has different ideas. But by, by putting this together, at least hopefully it makes more sense to you why things happen. You know, so when you're going through the interview process, you kind of now, like the curtain has been pulled back a little bit. So you know what goes on behind the scenes and why it's happening. So you're aware of the pitfalls. You understand why the hiring is taking a long period of time. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping that these conversations, when we're talking about the imbalances, that maybe if enough people complain about it, and if enough people say, you know what? You know what? Jack has some points there. You know, he doesn't often have smart points, but today he does. And some of the things we're talking about with this imbalance, maybe we should put some pressure on companies and executives to make it better and to level the playing field. And so it's not as if the, the workers and the job seekers just, just get the crumbs and everybody else, you know, in, in senior leadership, you know, get the billions. So, so maybe if enough people start talking about it and it just start, you know, you just got to get the ball rolling, talk about maybe things will change. I'm not naive. It's not going to change for one LinkedIn, LinkedIn live podcast, but over time, I think it can help. But in the meantime, at least you get a better sense of what's going on in this game 
and, and why what's happening and that you can learn how to play the game. And when next time, you know, if like HR says, come into us, we, let's talk, but don't worry. It's all good. I'm not gonna tell anyone. You could be like, Hmm, I'm going to remember what Jack said. I'm going to be cautious. I'm going to, I'm not going to take face value that everything's good. It's just, and it's not going to go anywhere. So I'm going to watch everything I say and be super careful and not say anything, anything that could get me in trouble and lose my job and not lose my job, but then I would have the reputation that I can't find another job afterwards. So be careful. Hopefully this was some good content to help you. If you have any questions, let me know if, because there's a lot of layoffs going on, a lot of downsizing. Um, I'm trying to help people with career coaching and mentoring. Um, so I'm trying to make it also cost effective. So if anybody wants some mentorship, some career coaching, career advice, hit me up. I'd be glad to help you personally. Also, I'm connected with you know, 100 or so excellent career coaches and resume writers and people who use AI for resume writers, whatever. So I could also introduce you to people who could help you as well. So feel free. If you want to talk to me privately, you want to hit me up on LinkedIn, on Twitter, you know, phone me, whatever. Let me know. I'd be glad to help because fortunately, beginning of 2024, so far, it does seem still layoffs, slow walking, hiring. Man, it's not a walk in the park. So I know that people are going to need some help and I'll be glad to do so. So thank you very much for watching. I hope this was helpful and uh, I will see you tomorrow with actually the rest of this week. We have a few really interesting um, AI driven recruiting platforms and um, other really cool stuff. So, so we kind of changed the, 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 you know, each one I'm trying to make a little separate to bring something new to the table. So have a great day. Thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Please leave any comments, questions you have, because that's always helpful. And if you have any topics you'd like us to cover in the future, let us know. And I really, I really appreciate you coming here and watching today. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day.